This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. I love how God works. This Sunday, we're in pre-service prayer, and I was standing right over here, and Matt, he said something like, he was going to sing Set a Fire, and then he said, don't sing it if you don't mean it. And with everything inside of me, I tried to mean it, but I couldn't. I just, before God, I, I couldn't. I was too scared to say God set a fire in me that I can't contain, that I can't control. So I didn't, just to be honest. But I wanted to so bad. And so throughout this whole week, I was telling God, like, can you please, please, like, help me get to that place? And he did. And then we sing set a fire. And I'm like, is it too late to ask? He's like, no, it's not too late. (laughs) So I was like, please set a fire. We want more. We want more. It was beautiful. He goes full circle. Another thing um, God has been working on my heart this week with is he showed me this picture of a, uh, where during pre-service prayer, um, he showed me this picture of a volcano, like the brim of a volcano. And we were standing there, all of us at pre-service prayer, at the edge of it, just circled around it. And we're looking in and the word was, it's activated. Like it was, it was dormant, but now it's an active volcano. And I was blown away because people came forth with words about volcanoes. I was like, oh God, I hear from you. That's wonderful. But then it got to the point where it's like, well, why, why are you showing me this? I said, what do you want me to do with this? How do I partner with this? And he said, it's time to evacuate the city. Because what you thought was an dormant volcano is an active volcano. And so I said, okay, God. Um, but I couldn't, I wanted to share it all that day Sunday. I was trying to share it, but I never found peace to share it. Um, anyone ever getting a word from God and they know it's from God. They heard it. They saw it clearly confirmed everything, but they're just trying to navigate when to, what to do with it. So I was in that place and, and I got slant, door closed, door closed, door closed. Even in worship, I was like, should I bring this to the whole congregation? And the door was closed. And so I felt like it, nev- it never stopped burning in me. So I just dug into it for myself personally. So and what came as a result of that is I started asking God about it. And he showed me if we really were on a volcano that we thought was dormant and became active, then I would have built my house and what makes me feel safe right there on that mountain that I thought was a mountain. And if it was going to be active and start like overflowing, then everything that I once thought was safe is now in danger. And if I hold on to it, then I'm also in danger. And so he was inviting me to let go of where I find myself hiding in and where I find my safe spot to step out of. Wow. And we can get into that more of my personal journey in general. But, but, but for now, let's talk about how God sees it, in, in particularly in Scripture, because I sat there with him, and I'm telling you, he's talking so clearly with me that in my spirit pops up, well, when in Scripture did I tell people to evacuate a city? Do you guys know? Anyone think of anyone? Any not fun stories in scripture? Mm-hmm. So Sodom and Gomorrah um, came up in my spirit. And if you know the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, it's not the, not the saddest one in the Bible, but one of a probably top two sad stories in the Bible for me to read. It breaks my heart to read. So I avoided it. I, I just stayed in his presence. I was in his presence having a conversation. And he said, let's, let's go to Sodom and Gomorrah. And I was like, I don't want to go. It's so dark. And I didn't want to go there for two reasons. One, because I know my God. Or I thought I did. I know how sweet and kind and patient and forgiving and compassionate he is. And so reading Sodom and Gomorrah makes my heart break because it's like, how could you do this? How could you do this? How could you do this? But also be good. It hurts my heart to think about even that part of me, part of me. So I didn't want to go there because I didn't want to, I didn't know, I didn't want me to be wrong about how good God is. It hurts so bad. but So I, I lingered. I stayed. I didn't want to let go of everything I'd known about God. But he kept bringing it up. So I was like, fine, I'll go. Whatever. I trust you. <laughs> Come on. So I went. 
Oh, the other reason why, the, the second reason, I know my God, but also I know myself. I don't know if you ever read scripture before and read something that is too close to home. Mm. That you think you treated them like this. <laughs> I'm not saying I was doing what they were doing in Sodom and Gomorrah, but I was not a perfect person before I met God. Mm. So sometimes it's hard to see them wiped out completely because I thought, if you deal with them like this, how are you going to deal with me? Mm-hmm. So it's hard for me to go to Sodom and Gomorrah, but I trust God. Um, so I went. You guys want to come with me to Sodom and Gomorrah? Yes, sir. Okay. Let me give you some helpful hints before we go there. Um, well, sorry. Before we go, when you, th- when you think of Sodom and Gomorrah, why would it be hard for you to go there? Or maybe you guys love the story. I don't love it. <laughs> And honestly, I'm probably going to skip some parts because I don't know if they're age appropriate. But, but let me just say, I would always see this as a story where like people misbehaved and God wiped them out. Mm-hmm. He was just, it was like, it was almost like watching like my dad, I would do something wrong and his temper would get to a point where he just punished me for it. And it was like, I saw it through that filter of my father. He gets to a point where he gets too mad and then he punishes us and then we deal with like that. But I think one thing that helped me, the beginning of changing, opening my eyes to really what's happening there was understanding the context. And I don't say that lightly. I mean, like really feel like really understanding the heartbeat of God. Like I had a trouble with the wife being turned to a pillar of salt. I have trouble with how he dealt with certain people. I had trouble with the, the bad things they wanted to do to them. I had trouble with so much of stuff, but because I was reading it out of context, I thought because it's such a flagrant and um, it's such a flagrant thing in the, in the Old Testament. It's almost like we make this mountain out of Sodom, Sodom and Gomorrah where really it's, it's, if you look at it in context, it's kind of a side quest. It's kind of like a side mission. Like the context for what was happening here in, in Genesis was Abraham and God had just cut covenant. And he just went from Abram to Abraham and Sarai to Sarah. And he was explaining how I'm going to make you a father of many nations. And the purpose of what he was doing in Abraham was he wasn't even saying, I'm trying to accomplish this because I need to get from point A to point B. He's saying, I'm changing who you are. I'm dealing with your identity. And he's doing all this stuff, but then he gives them, so he gives them the, the, the roles of the covenant. He says, I'm going to do all this. I'm going to make your father many nations. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to blah, blah, blah. He, does, he goes on, on, on. He's like, here's what I want you to do. I want you to circumcise yourself and everyone around you. Cool? And I'll tell you right now, that is not an easy thing to do. But especially, he's 99. I'm not going to go into the, de- the nitty-gritty details, details, but... Um, I didn't give you this one, but it says, this is where we pick up the story is um, in Genesis 17, verse 23. It says, so Abraham took Ishmael, his son, and all who were born in the house and all who were brought, bought by his money, every male among them, Abraham's house, and circumcised the flesh of their foreskins that, that very day as God had asked them to do. So this is where we pick up a 99-year-old man and everyone and everyone, even the people who work for him all got circumcised. And the very next thing that happens is this in chapter 18, verse 1. It says then the Lord then the Lord appeared to him by the terebinth trees of Mamre, as he was sitting in the tent door in the heat of the day. So he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing there. Okay, so let's just slow down for a second. We have God cut covenant, transformed completely. He's in the presence of God, transformed his identity forever in the presence of God, and then he obeys God and he gets circumcised, and then. Let's just pause there. It's a weird thing to talk about in church circumcision. It's kind of awkward because you have, it deals with people's private parts. But we've talked about this before. It's just a natural reproductive organ. Mm. 
The supernatural reproductive organ that talks about in the New Testament is not a circumcision of the flesh, but a circumcision of the heart. God is cutting away something from where he's going to reproduce. So before he ever reproduces, he cuts away the ex. You see what I'm saying? He's dealing with what he doesn't want to reproduce on the earth. And so the context of before we ever get to Sodom and Gomorrah is he comes to, right after this, um, after the circumcision, he comes in, he shows up and it says the Lord appeared to him. But in Abraham's eyes, it was three men. So the Lord's appearing as three men. So he runs to them and Abraham's response is beautiful. It says, where'd I leave off? He ran to the tent door and met them and bowed himself to the ground. And verse three says, um, and said, my Lord, if I have now found favor in your sight, do not pass by your servant. Please let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourself under the tree. And I will bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh your heart. Doesn't this sound so sweet? He's like, oh, you're here. Don't leave. Let me take care of you. After that, you may pass in so much as you have come to your servant. They said, do as you have said. Is that all I gave you? Pray to God. (sighs) Okay. So what happens next? Sorry, let me just slow down to get the context. Before we ever get to Sodom and more, you have... Covenant transformation, God comes to him, shows up. And then the next, I'm not going to read it all because this is too much reading. But what happens next is Abraham and Sarah are sitting there and God's explaining to Sarah for the first time. And she laughs. She's like, you think I'm going to have a baby with this guy? And she laughs. And then God's like, uh, no, don't laugh because um, I'm serious. And she's like, I didn't laugh because she was scared. And he's like, no, you definitely laughed. So then we pick up in verse 16 and this is what happens. And this is what I mean. This is what I mean by the context. We never would have heard about Sodom and Gomorrah if it wasn't for Abraham's friendship with God, because God showed up to deal with his covenant with Abraham. And that was all he needed to do was tell Abraham and Sarah what was going to happen. And then he'd be on his way. We never would have heard about it, but he stopped in his tracks because he thought, you know what? This is the man through which I'm going to bless the entire earth. Shouldn't he know what's about to happen here? And so then we pick up in 16 and him explain that. Then the men arose and they looked towards Sodom and Abraham went with them to send him on away. He has no idea what's going to happen. And the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm doing? Since Abraham shall surely become a great, na- mighty, great and mighty nation and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him that they keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice that the Lord might bring Abraham what he has spoken to him. Okay. And the Lord said, so he's like, this is my reasoning behind explaining. The Lord said, because of the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great. And because their sins are very grave, I will go down now and see whether I have, whether they have altogether, whether they have done altogether according to the outcry that has come to me. And if not, I will know. Then the men turned away from there and went towards Sodom and Abraham still stood before the Lord. Okay. And Abraham, I'll read this. I love this part. And Abraham came near and said, you know, he starts to talk to the Lord about, would you destroy Sodom and Gomorrah if there was only 50 people? I think I have a tissue because I'm, I'm, I'm sniffling here. Okay. So this is the first time Sodom and Gomorrah is introduced. We would have never heard it if Abraham wasn't friends with God because God was like, you know what? This is what I'm going I'm to explain what I'm going to do. And what is he explaining he's going to do? He says that I will go down now, which is crazy. Because there's three things I know about God in church 101, and that's he's omnipresent, he's omniscient, meaning he knows everything, 
and he's omnipotent, meaning he's all powerful, right? So if God's everywhere, how, why would he need to go down anywhere? That was the first thing that caught me. I was like, you're omnipresent, but you need to go down there. It's such a funny thing to think about. If he's omnipresent, then him saying, I'm going to go down there, means he's just physically manifesting his presence that was already there. And if he's manifesting himself as three men or two men there, because one stayed with Abraham to have that conversation about, come on, 50, 45, give me 30, give me 35, 30. He's like, are you this? But if, if, if two of them go down, he's, his manifest presence is showing up to Sodom and Gomorrah. Wow then it's not for his benefit, but theirs. Wow. You think that God couldn't snap his finger and wipe out Sodom and Gomorrah? He's omnipresent. He was in there, there. He's present right there. So him saying, I'm going to go down is not for his benefit, but for theirs. He's presenting himself to them. See, we can honor and interact and, and engage with God without ever feeling his presence. Yeah. He's everywhere. He's all over the place. So even right now, if you can't feel his presence, even if you, I mean, which I feel like you can, but even if you can't, you don't have to feel it to engage with him. It's the beauty of him. It's so wonderful. Wow. You can engage with him whether you feel him or not. You want to know how I know? Go to Jeremiah 23, verse 24. Who can hide in secret places so that I cannot see them, declares the Lord. Do I not fill the heavens and the earth, declares the Lord. He's omnipresent. So when he says, I'm going to go down, he's saying, I'm going to manifest myself so they can see and touch and interact with me because they've been ignoring me. Oh, another one. Psalm 139 verse seven. I don't know if I gave this one. This is just a personal one for me. It says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. He's not even just there observing. He's holding you. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. This is the God we're talking about. And you're telling me this God just said, I'm too mad. I've had it. Let's kill him. So when, so when we encounter the manifest presence of God, see, I think it's, I think it's helpful to know that if God's everywhere and he's manifesting himself for our benefit, then we should address it as such. He's not manifesting himself to get, he doesn't, he's not insecure needing anything like from us. So if if he shows up and you could feel his presence, even this place during worship or whatever, or they see three or two men come into Sodom and Gomorrah, then it's helpful for us to ask this question. I like to ask this question. What do you want to do? I mean, enjoy him, like drink it up, enjoy his presence, enjoy his presence, like really, but understand that his manifest presence has a purpose and it's really to bless us. So I like to ask him, what do you want to do? And he shows up, what do you want to do? What are you doing right now? You want to do, you want to, can I get you anything? Can, you know, you know, you see what I'm saying? Like his manifest presence is with a purpose. It's kind of like the, the best picture I can think of is I love stars. I'm a nerd. You can ask Rafa, last time he covered my house, I, he came to the door in the middle of me watching star videos. And then like, I couldn't even wait 15 minutes before I put it back on. I was like, can you watch the star video? Man? Like, you have to understand. I start breaking down about stars. I love stars. They stop me in my tracks. They make me feel so small. Here's the thing is, stars are always in the sky. They don't disappear. It's just that at nighttime, the light pollution goes down. 
so we can see them. They're always up there. They never move. But sometimes our star is so bright that we can't see the other ones. It's not that they don't exist, but they manifest themselves in dark. And sometimes God is like that. We can make one thing so big that we don't see anything else that's already there. But sometimes God will take darkness and use it to manifest his light. So we see darkness on the earth and we go, oh, Lord, stop the darkness. No, he says, go be a light. Sorry, I'm not yelling at you, but goodness gracious. Goodness gracious. He say, we see darkness on the earth and we say, we got to go vote. And I'm not saying don't vote, but goodness gracious. I don't see anywhere in here where God says, go vote. And I'm not saying, please don't hear me. I'm, I'm saying, please vote. Please register. Please, please vote. I'm not saying that. But sometimes we have these visceral responses of like, let's go protest. I'm not saying no protest, but God is saying, let's be a light. He doesn't call you. Yeah, sorry. I hope that's okay with everybody. Uh, okay. So we're learning to deal with his manifest presence. I'm just, I'm just, it's, it's helpful to understand that when he manifests himself, it's not because he wants to just give us the tinglys. I'm so tired of us. So we come in this place and we get the tinglys and we feel the presence. And it's, there's nothing wrong with it. I'm telling you, drink it up, enjoy it. It's, he's meant to be enjoyed. I'm telling you, it's so beautiful. But look at what Abraham does when he shows up. He says, change my name, do whatever you want. I don't even call me Abram anymore. I'm Abraham now. I'll go, I'll chop anything. I'll, 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 he'll, there, there's something about Abraham's response to the presence of God that's saying, I know you're here for a purpose, so how do I want to interact with you? Come on now. Come on. <sighs> so, so I'm tired of the thing. I want some transformation, okay? Yeah, that's Okay, so, so verse 21, um, 18, verse 21 says, I will go down and see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry against always according to the outcry against it that has come to me and if if not i will know okay so he's saying i'm gonna go down there and we're gonna see if it's as bad as they say it is and if it is then i'll know or if it's not i'll know remember our three things we learned in sunday school god's omnipresent and he's omniscient which means he if he's going down to see and know it's not because he doesn't know. He says, let's go down and see, which he doesn't have to do because he's already there. And then we'll know, which he doesn't have to know because he already knows. If he doesn't need to see to know, then why did he go? Why would he manifest himself and say, and present himself to Sodom and Gomorrah and to Lot? Why would he do this? If he does, if he already knows, why does he have to go? And they'll find out. Yeah. Okay, let me ask the question one more time and then we'll go. If he doesn't need to see to know, then why did he go? I was asked, wrestling with this with God and he asked me a question. He said, if I knew Jesus would be rejected and murdered, then why did I send him? So many people spat on Jesus and made up lies about him and didn't want him. And they tried to actually, his, all of his Jewish leaders were like, let's kill him over an actual murderer. <laughs> like, like, let's kill him. And if you know that ahead of time, then why would you send your only son? If you know so many people will reject him and actually kill him, then why would you send him? Because not all of them will. There were some who'd say, I know you're the son of God. There were some that will, and that's what made it worth Jesus coming. 
If you want a simple explanation, look at John 3.16. Why would God manifest himself to Sodom and Gomorrah knowing that all of them would, they were so bad, they were doing such dirty, but he said, some will, some will come with me. Why would he give Jesus? If he knew what was going to happen to Jesus, why would he give Jesus? He says, because I love him so much that I would give my only son. That they would not perish, but have everlasting life. For God so loved, so, so loved. See, God hates sin, but it's because he loves us so much. He hates what was happening in Sodom and Gomorrah, but he waited and he waited and he waited and he gave so much mercy and so much grace because he loves us so much and his mercy triumphs over judgment. So good. So good. Okay, let's keep reading. I don't even know where to go next. You guys want to read what happened and when he showed up? Okay, so just remember this is the context, okay? We have a sweet, sweet God. It's powerful. So let's read what happens when he shows up. Okay. Uh, This is Genesis 19, verse 1. It says, Now the two angels came to Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. And when Lot saw them, he rose and met them, and he bowed himself with his face towards the ground. Doesn't that sound familiar? Abraham just did the same thing. Let's just take a quick side quest ourselves here. You know that word for bowing yourself on your face before the Lord is shacha. And this is the first time it's used ever in the Bible. It says Abraham saw the Lord show up and he went and he bowed his face before the the ground. And it says that means he shahad. And then the second time it's used is right here. When Lot sees the presence of the Lord, he goes, oh, shahad. And he falls on his face. The the third time it's used is the first time ever it's translated English as worship. And that's Abraham when they ask him, what are you doing, Abraham? He says, I'm me and the lad, stay here with the lad. Me and the boy are going to go up on the mountain and shahad and worship. So you see Abraham's response to the Lord showing up is, I'm going to worship you. First things first, let me worship you. And the second, then Lot shows up and says, I'm going to worship you. First things first, I'm going to worship you. So good. Then from there, they do something similar. They get him bread and stuff. And this is verse two. It says, and he said, here now, my Lord, please turn to your servant's house and spend the night and, I, and, and wash your feet and then you may rise early in the morning and go on your way. And they said, no, but we will spend the night in the open square. Thank God they didn't. But he insisted strongly. So they turned into to him. They, so they turned into him and entered his house. Then they made them a feast and baked unleavened bread and they ate. Oh, let me read this one last verse. Now, before they lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both old and young, all the people from every quarter surrounded them. Okay, let's pause. I'm not going to read the next part because it gets crazy. But I'm going to tell you a little bit about what happens. But before I do, let me say this. The picture that is painted when you have Abraham falling on his face to worship when the presence shows up and Lot falling on his face is, is like there's a contrast. There's a darkness when you look at how the city of Sodom and Gomorrah responded. They said, let me wash your feet. Let me get you some food. Let me take care of you. I'm going to work. I'm going to serve you. Make yourself at home. They host the presence so good. The other people, when they showed up, started banging up on the, on the door and they said, please bring the Lord, bring those angels so we can know them carnally. Wow. I'll leave it at that. Mm. Good night. 
But it, the, pain, it, pain, the picture is even more kind of gross for me is because it says young and old, which means from generation to generation, there's been this depravity happening, this, this, um, so this wickedness that they're raising up their kids in this darkness where it's okay to just say, bang, 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 bring the, bring the things to the Lord so we can have our way with them. So, good, so Lot steps outside. He's like, no, 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 please, no, let's not do this. And he's trying to defend them with his life. They actually get so mad. It's so, uh, I, I don't think I gave you this one. But I feel like I should, um, I should read it. Verse 9, it says, so they're getting indignant. And he's trying to make some compromises there, but, but they're getting indignant. And it says, in verse 9, it says, they said, stand back. Then they said, this one came in to stay here, and he keeps acting as a judge. Now we will deal with him worse than we would with them. So they pressed hard against the door, uh, pressed hard against the man Lot, and came near to breaking down the door. Okay, spoiler uh, the Lord actually brings Lot in, saves his life, blinds them, and saves the day, right? But one thing that stuck out to me about that is they weren't even mad that they couldn't have their way. They were mad that they were being judged. Wow. So there's people in darkness that are like, they want so badly to have their way with this, this thing, right? And they're like, give us our way. But they don't get offended until they start getting judged. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I know. I thought the same thing, but we'll keep reading. So he, the, the Lord saves them and uh, blinds those people. And, and it's wonderful. Thank you, God, for that. And verse 12, will pick up here. And what happens next, it says, and now this is when Lot is supposed to be telling his family, let's get out of the town. Let's get out of here because they're going to blow it up. Okay. So this is what happens. Then the men said to Lot, have you any one, sorry, have you anyone else here? Son-in-law, your sons, your daughters, um, and whomever you have in the city, take them out of this place for we will destroy this place because of the outcry against them has grown great before the face of the Lord. And the Lord has sent us to destroy it. So Lot went out and spoke to his son-in-laws who had married his daughters and said, get up, get out of this place for the Lord will destroy the city. Hmm. But to his son-in-laws, he seemed to be joking. And that in and of itself is probably another teaching because they died. The, when we don't take the things of God seriously, we die. And that's not a threat. Because I always think like, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying there's a God sitting up with lightning bolts. Sometimes we don't understand what death actually is. Yeah. Wow. We could be walking and breathing and moving, have a job, have a girlfriend, have a, have a water, and still be actually dead inside. So I've done it before. Come on. And the thing is like, they heard from the Lord. The Lord was, anyways, yeah. So anyways, so, yeah, that's a whole nother teaching. I'll just leave that there. You can, maybe God's saying something to you and maybe he just wants to take you serious. Okay. It's yeah. good, Nate. It'd be like if someone was in the street and there was a bus coming and you said, move. And they're like, ha ha ha. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. Anyways. Okay. We'll keep going. All right. So, so Lot spoke to them. They said they're joking. Okay, this is verse 15. It says, When the morning dawned, the angels urged Lot to hurry, saying, Arise, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be consumed in the punishment of the city. And while he lingered, can you guys just, just whisper, lingered? Okay. While he lingered, the men took hold of his hand and the hand, in his wife's hand, and the hands of his two daughters, and the Lord being merciful to him. Someone yell merciful. Merciful. Yes. Okay. Um, and they brought him out and set him outside the city. Um, should I keep reading? So, good. so it came to pass. Yeah. 
Uh, let me stop there for a second. We, we'll, we'll read more, so just relax. But I want to stop here for a second and just break this down because what happens is he tells his, his son-in-laws, they don't listen, they, they laugh, they stay, whatever. Then he urges them, okay, this is the Lord talking to them. He says, it's time to go right now. We have to go right now. And it says that Lot and his family lingered. And there's nothing wrong with lingering, okay? But let's just take a look, a little bit closer look at this word. The word lingered means to wait, it means that Lot and his family waited. So, so he's saying, hurry, let's go. And he waited. It means to delay. Anyone ever been rushed out the door and you're like, ah, oh, just give me five more minutes. Just give me, you know what I'm saying? Just to delay. This is the worst one here. It means to stay. So you have this picture of Lot who knows what's going to happen to Sodom and Gomorrah. He knows what's going to happen. He just said what's going to happen. He knows the Lord, what the Lord's going to do. And still he's saying, I want to stay. His family, they're all linked. They, they want to stay. Even though they know what God is going to do, they still are sitting thinking, I don't want to go. It's, it's so sad to hear, but sometimes God is trying to lead us out of something for our own benefit, but it's so hard for us because we're thinking, I don't want to go. I like this. I like this culture. I like the way it makes me feel. I like the way it allows me to live. And God is saying, no, we need to go. You're going to die. And, and we're like, can I just linger just a little bit? But remember, God was being merciful. So it says he took hold of their hand, which this word took hold, is, it's, it paints a picture. It means to actually to seize. So it paints a picture of to be propelled from their home by physical force. So here they are saying, I want to stay. And he says, let's get out of here. <laughs> because he's so merciful that he wouldn't even let their own stupidity keep them from getting wiped out. Do you see what I'm saying? He's like, we got to go right now. And they're like, oh, I'm just going to linger. He's like, all right, well, we're going anyways. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to pick up everything. But do you see what I'm saying? This is his mercy. It's like, even when they wanted to stay and they almost died, he says, I'm going to take you. And honestly, that's grace, man. Him willing to use his ability on your behalf, that's some grace. Smack dab in the middle of Sodom and Gomorrah. He says, all right, you're not going to die. I'm going to save you. Literally, he could have wiped out this whole city like that. And instead, he manifests his presence in in person so he could say, oh, please, come on with me. Come on. Nobody wants to go. Even the people who know what's about to happen either think it's a joke or they're like, I know what's going to happen. I know he's serious, but I still want to stay. And in the midst of that, God's like, all right, well, I'm just going to grab you and pick you up and pull you out of here. <laughs> so he picks him up. This is where we pick up in 17. It says, it came to pass when they brought them outside of the, um, oh, I'm sorry. Let me slow down. That word means to seize, right? But um, another definition, more beautiful definition is to strengthen, to be courageous and to be firm. So you have Lot and his family sitting here knowing what God wants them to do, but saying, I don't have the strength to walk away from what you're asking me to walk away from. I don't have the courage to do what you've asked me to do. So God is saying, don't worry. I will give you the strength to leave this place. Grabs him by the hand, takes him. Don't worry. I will give you the courage you need to. I will, I will be firm with you for your life's sake. Some of us are avoiding this firm conversations with God and it's killing us in our family. It's killing us. As someone better ask God, give him, you take my hands, take hold of me. You know what I'm saying? Take me wherever you need to go. Okay. So verse 17 says, so it came to pass when they brought, um, when they had brought them outside, 
uh, that he said, escape for your life. Do not look behind you, spoiler alert, nor stay anywhere in the plain. Escape to the mountains lest you be destroyed. Okay. Anyone know what happens next? Okay, because this is weird because uh, Rafa and I were talking about this earlier and he asked me a really tough question because if you know what happens next, they're leaving the city and uh, did I say to put that up there? Where am I even at? 17 or 25? Where's 25? Basically, I'm going to spoil it. Lot's wife looks back and she turn, gets turns into, uh, yeah, we'll read it, we'll read it. Um, uh, verse 25 says, so he overthrew those cities and the plains and all the inhabitants. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And all the inhabit- inhabitants of the city and what grew on the ground. So he completely demolished this place. But his wife looked back behind them and she became a pillar of salt. Period. 26. Oh yeah. Yes. And his wife looked back, she became a pillar of salt. Uh, Ralph asked me this question and I never, I, I had thought about it, but I've been too scared to um, address it till he asked me. He was like, here they are lingering. God takes them in his grace and in his mercy. And he's got them. And then they look back and she gets turned into. So why would someone get turned into a pillar of salt in the middle of God's grace and mercy? And I was like, that's a good question. You should probably look it up. Google it. Let's see. I don't know. I'm not giving you an answer. I'm going to give you is like Matthew 6. I think it's verse 22 and 23. And it says, the lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. Yeah, it's great. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. And therefore the light that is in you is, if the light in you is darkness, how great that darkness is. Basically your eye is a lamp for your whole body. If it's good, your whole body will be full of light. If it's bad, it'll be full of darkness. And if you think it's good, but it's bad, oh, it's such a deep darkness, right? So what you have is a people, look, remember the context. His wife and Lot were wanting to stay there. The only reason they survived is because God grabbed them by force and said, let's get out of there. And so when you look at his wife, it's not, it's not, Honestly, it's not because of what she did. I think she turned a pillar of salt. It's her eyes were focused on what was behind. So her whole life was filled with what was behind. What was behind her? Death, destruction, all of that was behind her. She turned to focus on that. She was filled with that. And it doesn't, it doesn't, oh, I see some of you guys are having, it's like grinding teeth right now. But let me explain it like this. No, 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 no let me just, let me just say something. How do I, Holy Spirit, help me. Remember the context of this whole conversation. God is cutting covenant with Abraham and then Abraham obeys. And in the natural, he circumcises his reproductive organ. And then he goes and God is not even going to tell Abraham. And he stops and says, you know what? I should tell my best friend. Here's what I'm about to do. Because why? Because I'm going to establish a great nation through you. So before God multiplies in the physical, he circumcises the reproductive organ. And before God reproduces in the the spiritual and on the whole earth, he does what? He circumcises. He says, if before he ever circumcises, he presents himself and he says, and I'm I'm talking about Sodom and Gomorrah. He's removing, let me say this, before he ever takes them and wipes them out, he's like, I've been hearing about all this 
depravity and all this craziness going on. Let's go down. Let's figure it out. I'm going to manifest myself. I'm going to offer one more opportunity. But if not, I have to cut them away because what God is about to do is about to multiply his people on the earth. And I do not want my sons to be raised in a place where they could get raped and murdered and any of that stuff that was happening in, in you understand what I'm saying? It's God is saying, I'm going to, I'm going to birth my children on the earth and they cannot be around what you guys are want to do because I myself showed up and you wanted to have your way with me. God is circumcising Abraham and then he's cutting away before he reproduces here on the earth. But he's not saying, all right, I'm done with a lot of you. No pun intended. He, he's saying, I'm here to say, please come with me, please. And even the people who didn't want to go, he still grabbed and was like, it's fine, I'll just take him anyways. <laughs> but then you have the one who got taken in his grace and his mercy and still after being saved was looking back. We cannot carry that same mindset into where they're going. Have to, before we reproduce, we have to cut that stuff away. Does that make sense? Okay. Yeah, so she was disobedient and she got turned into a pillar of salt. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, hard, it's hard to think about, right? But you, you tell me what makes more sense that she chose to turn a pillar of salt or that the God who came down, manifest himself, begged them to go. They wouldn't go, grabbed him. Why would he grab her if he wanted her dead? Oh, wow. Come on now. You tell me that's his will that he wants her dead, but he came out and said, I'm going to manifest myself. I'm going to come down. I'm going to beg you to come. You still don't come. I'm still going to grab your arm and they'd be like, whoop, and drop you. No, he doesn't want her to die. Come on, Nate. But remember we said, you can, you are as good as dead sometimes, but you're walking around living and breathing. Some of us are already dead. We don't even know. Not us, but some, you know what I'm saying? She was as good as dead before she ever turned into a pillar of salt. <sighs> okay. Let me just relax. Is everyone okay with this? I'm not, I'm not trying to beat anyone up. I'm just saying sometimes we get rescued and we like are still looking back, but we can't carry this culture. <sighs> That's so good, Nate. Okay. We got to keep going. We got to, I'll go get you guys out of here. Okay. <sighs> okay. We're still good. Everyone's so good. Okay, cool. So, what happens next, I'm not going to read because it, it's really weird and gross and whatever. But they get out of the city and basically what happens is you see Abraham, as soon as God shows up on the scene, he's thinking about how do I serve you? Can I bring you bread to make your heart happy? Can I, can I lot, same thing. Please stay with me. I want to keep you safe. I want all this stuff. Everyone who shows up in the presence of God is, is so... Um, focused on him above themselves. The first thing these two daughters want to do is how do we preserve ourselves? How do we preserve our line, our lineage? They don't care. They just got grabbed by the hand by God himself. And they're like, okay, cool. Now, how do we stay alive? We want to keep our lineage. And so they end up, I can't say what they did next. Okay. You read your Bibles. You want to find out. But I can't say what they wanted to do next, man. This is tough. But all I'll say is if you read your Bible, really bad things happen, okay? And the thing is, you have to ask yourself, you have to ask yourself, this is really hard for me. Someone just pray for me because I don't, I don't know how you, how do you talk about incest and rape and different things like that from a, from a school? You know, how do you do that? Okay, this is how, because I don't want us to do the same thing, okay? And I don't think uh, we'll ever get in that situation where we'll have to do that. But I think sometimes we can make it about us when it's always been about him. Yeah. And I think that's what the big distinction is not 
God didn't wipe Sodom and Gomorrah out because of their sexual depravity. It wasn't because they were doing, th- they're, they're, it says they were dealing with like homosexuality and, um, and rape and all these different things. It wasn't because of that. How do I know that? Because it's for generation after generation, young and old were there. They've been doing this and doing this and doing this. What happened was he showed up and in, and Abraham worshiped him and Lot worshiped him. But instead of hosting the presence of God, they said, we want to have our way with him. Do you want to know how I know that? Somebody turn to Matthew 10 verse, I don't know. Yeah, I have a pen in here. 14 and 15. Sodom and Gomorrah is in the Old Testament and the New Testament. And the first time it's mentioned in the New Testament is in this context here. It was never a sexual thing. It wasn't like, God, you're misbehaving, and now I'm mad and I'll have to spank you. No, this is what happened. You could, this is when, um, if you don't know what happens here in, in Matthew 10, Jesus is sending the apostles out. He's sending the apostles out and he's saying, don't pack this, don't bring this, you don't need this. He's explaining, I'm going to send you out. He's giving them instruction for when he sends them out. And this is what it says in verse 14. It says, in whoever will not receive you nor hear your words, when you depart from their city or house or city, shake off the dust from your feet. Assuredly, I say to you, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. Wow. You can put it down. So the first time this is ever mentioned in the New Testament, God is saying, not, you better not hump this. You better not do this dirty thing. You better not sleep with this person. He's saying, listen, if someone doesn't receive you into their home the right way, then that house, that city is, is going to be worse off than Sodom and Gomorrah. Do you even know what happened to Sodom? Sodom and Gomorrah was built on the stuff, this, this, uh, the stuff that they built Sodom and Gomorrah with, the roads, everything was actually flammable. So when things hit, the structure of the entire city started to crumble completely to the point where it fell into a place they came and find it to this day. They're assuming it's under the Dead Sea because it fumbled, it crumbled and was burned to the ground, fell apart. And then the, the Dead Sea covered it. The Dead Sea, wow. pun intended by God, I feel like. And, <laughs> and Sodom, the direct translation means to be burned and Gomorrah means to be submerged. So it was literally burned and submerged. The whole point of this place is so terrible what happened there. Nothing grew there. It was awful. It was dead. And he's saying that Sodom and Gomorrah had it better than anyone who does not receive you. Well, see, I don't think God's focus is on what they're doing wrong. I think he, when he showed up and he said, one last chance, please, will you have me? And they said, no, it was how they hosted him. That's what was, that's what was had in Sodom and Gomorrah. And the thing is, I don't blame him. It is so hard to host someone when you're host, when you're busy hosting someone else. Like they, they were intimate with something else. They were worshiping something else. They're not going to get down on their face for a God showing up to them because they're already busy on their face for something else. This is why the Bible talks about the things of, uh, the, the carnal things are um, at enmity. They're, they're, they're hostile against the things of the Lord. The Spirit of the Lord shows up Himself and they're, what are they? Are they welcoming? Are they hospitable? Are they hostile? Because they're so entrenched in the carnal way of thinking that it's like they see God manifest and they're like, let's kill Him. Sounds familiar. They did the same thing with Jesus. So when we start to build our mindset and our life around a carnal mindset, but then we also want the things of God, it, it doesn't make any sense because they'll be hostile against each other. So really the, the, the whole point of this is how do we host? How do we host the presence of God when he shows up? Come on. We want to evacuate the city. How do we host the presence of God? I'll tell you what, back to my personal ex- experience of this. Well, no, we won't go there. We'll just, I'll just keep them. I'll say my personal experience of hosting is um, 
when I was younger, I still lived at my dad's house. And if you don't know what it's like to live at your parents as like a teenager, like a little older teenager, it's basically like you just get free stuff all the time. Everything that you don't work for, you just get. And you don't know how good you have until you have to pay for that. And so now that I'm on the other side and I have to pay for that, I realized how much, how good I had it. But when I had it that good, I didn't spend it all myself. I would invite my friends over. Some of you guys are actually in this room right now, however, like Alex and Matt and Danny Proza. And when they'd come in, I'd be like, can I get you water? Can I get you pizza, Chinese food? Can I get you anything? I've been, and I would, I would love, I would love to host them. But it was, I wasn't thinking about being a host. I just loved them. I wanted them to feel at home. Um, and one of the things, uh, one of the things I remember, this is so unrelated, but to this day it's marked me, is I was hosting and Danny Pro was in my kitchen one time and, and I was getting him some old Chinese food or some you know leftover. And I put it in the microwave and he said, um, he was like, take a wet paper towel and put it over the rice. He said, it'll make it like soft. And I was like, Okay. And he blessed me so much. I'm sitting here trying to bless him. And he, to this day, my wife is still like, who told you this? I said, Daniel Provencher. <laughs> but anyway, so, so I'm sitting here trying to bless them and I'm actually getting blessed by it. And so people, people, my friends would come over because I love doing this. My friends would come over even not even to see me. Sometimes my friends would actually come and just use my house. Like they would like, remember like Luke and Dumb would come and just use my house to stretch. Like they had something else to do. Like, can we come by and just like stretch in your house? I'm like, so anyway, so I became a, a very good host. Anyway, I've got beside the point, but here's, here's Here's two things I, I remember about hosting. One, I was giving them Fiji water and Izzy's and fruit snacks. I was chasing people down with fruit snacks. I was so focused on, on hosting. But the thing is, none of this stuff I bought. I was hosting them with things that I, never costed me a thing. Come on now. Come on. It cost me. I was hosting with all my father's things. Come on One of the things about hosting God's presence is you have to understand what he's asking for isn't really even yours. You you want to sit there and be like, oh, this is my, oh, this is, oh, oh, my, my good, gosh. Nate. That's good, Nate. Come on. I think James 1 says like this, every good and, per- sorry, James 1, 17 says like this, every good gift and perfect gift is from above and comes down from the father of lights with whom there is no variation of shadow of turning. So you're sitting here, God's asking you for something. You're like, oh, but it's so good. I want it. It's like, it's not even yours. What are you going to do? Anyway, so the second thing I found about uh, uh, that made me a good host or whatever was I was never focused on being a good host. When people came to my door, I wasn't like, I have to be a good host. I never, I didn't care. I just wanted them to feel at home. Like if Matt came to my door, I was like, I just want you to be at home. Can I get you some cereal? Can I get you a beer? Can I get you whatever? Can I get you whatever? I want you to feel so safe and at home here. I was so focused on them. I wasn't trying to sit there and think about, oh, I need to be a good host. Does that make sense? All I cared about was if they'd feel at home. But here's one thing about hosting. And, and those are the people I love, my closest people. I've had people over my house that I don't necessarily love as much as them. And, I've, and I found my, my heart's a little bit different because although I want them to feel at home, there's a difference between wanting and willing. Okay? And you may want someone to feel at home, but you may not be willing to scrub your toilet so that they feel comfortable. You may say, I want you to feel comfortable, but I'm not willing to scrub this toilet. That would make me uncomfortable. There's a difference between want and will. You may want a six pack, but not be willing to do the crunches or to put down the whatever you're not, you're not supposed to be eating or drinking. You may, you may want um, what's that called? Like cardiovascular endurance. Like I, the other day I ran up some, um, 
I ran up a hill, like a little kid said I, said I was a slowpoke, and I took that personally. He's like, you're a slowpoke, and I think he's six. And so I was like, no, I'll destroy you. So he said, you're a slowpoke, and I was like, bah, and I beat it up. And the thing is, I was so out of breath, and I thought to myself, I really want to get in shape. And it was like, I want to be in shape, but am I willing to do that? To run till you can't breathe, and then run some more. <laughs> And although I want to, I'm not really willing to do that. So I'll be a slow mo. The thing is, if we're wanting but not willing, then we can never change. Some of us want uh, to not be sore, but we're not willing to stretch past our comfort level. Lot, Lot and his family were sitting there wanting to live, but they almost died. One of them did. They wanted to live. They knew what was going to happen. They wanted it so bad. Absolutely. Lot was like, let's go. And then when the time came, he said, let's go. He was like, am I willing to leave? Wow. Mm. For me personally, when God was speaking to me about this volcano and, and, and evacuating, he, he started telling me like, what have you built on this mountain that makes you feel so safe? And for me, it's being alone. Like, I think it's so safe for me when I'm alone. So oftentimes when I'm stressed or like mourning or overwhelmed, what I'll do is I'll isolate myself because being alone makes you feel helpful. It makes you feel safe. And so God was showing me, what if in order, what if you could feel safe in your, while you're in public? So good, Nate. He said, in order to do that, being alone has to die though. You may want to feel safe in public, but not be willing to go in public, vulnerable. That was me. I, I, I wanted so badly to do, I said, God, take me whatever. But God was like, okay, then let go of this. It's like, oh, okay. Grab my head. <laughs> Just take me out of here. Yeah. And I'm not speaking of a place of I have this all together. I'm about to wrap it up. If you're getting tired, I'm going to wrap this up here in a second. But I'm not speaking of a place of I'm, I have this all together. I'm saying that I am like Lot's wife. I am, I've experienced God's mercy and his grace. He's coming to me and I said, okay, I'll obey. But when it push came to shove and he said it's time to obey, I didn't. I lingered. I wanted to stay. And so he grabbed me and he dragged me out. And I still was like, oh God, please. I still wanted it. I'm saying from experience. I don't have us all together, but I do know my God is for me and he is good and he is kind. So if he's telling me to let go of something, it's not because he's mad at me. It's because he wants to see me live bad enough that he would come and put on skin, manifest himself, get beat to death, get up, beat the grave and come back. And even when I spit in his face after all that, he still says, I still love you and I still want a relationship with you. That's so, good, <sighs> so yeah, there's a difference between want and will especially when it comes to hosting. A lot of us say we want the kingdom, but really what is the kingdom? Some of you guys thought of Romans, what is it, 1470? Oh, it's peace and joy. What is the kingdom? Let's just keep it simple. The kingdom is wherever Jesus gets to be king. Oh, come on. Okay? That's good. Wherever Jesus gets to be on his throne, there you have the kingdom. So some of us say we want your kingdom, but are not willing to give up his throne. In a moment, in your morning, whatever, it's like, God, I want the kingdom here. It's like, okay, well, are, are we willing to let him be king? <sighs> and if you're not, then take, say, grab my hand, God. Strengthen me. Encourage me. Be firm with me. Whatever you have to do, I don't want to die. I don't want my family to die. 
It is good. Yeah. So yeah. So God is um, He's very sweet with us. So is it so? Um, anywhere Jesus can be king. So in a moment or a specific area in my life, I may not be willing to let Him be king. <sighs> okay. Is everyone good? I think I have one more note, and it has a little clouds with it, and it says, "Go with the Holy Spirit." So let's go with the Holy Spirit here. Everyone, just close your eyes. And I, I'm not, I'm not, don't, don't hear what I'm not saying. Just, just close your eyes and invite God to come be with you right now. And I'm telling you, you don't even have to feel it to interact with him. If you feel it, praise God. But if you don't, it's okay. You can still interact with him. It's good. And I want you to just put out your hands and just tell him to take your hands. And then from here, let him take you wherever he wants to take you. This is not about correcting behavior. This is about him wanting to be with you. It says, I set before you life and death. It's like, I just want you to choose life. And if you want to, you can ask him a simple question. God, how can I make you feel at home in this moment? What would make you feel right at home tomorrow? Can I bring you anything? Can I do anything for you? Yeah. Would you like to do something together? See, Lot and Abraham had a very specific response when the presence of God showed up. And you guys have the same response right now. So let's live out of this response for the rest of our lives, hosting in every moment, tomorrow, this week, in your car on the ride home, host him. And I'm telling you, just like with Danny Pro, you will be blessed when you... Focus your life on blessing Him. Your purpose in life in ho- is wrapped up in how you host the presence. Kingdom coming on earth is, is wrapped up in us allowing the King to be King. So Jesus, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy so much. Thank you for taking each and every one of us by the hand and leading us wherever you want to lead us. Thank you for helping us when we don't have the strength. Thank you for helping us when we don't have the courage. Thank you for being firm with us. Thank you for being our comforter. Thank you for being everything we need. I thank you for the people who are brave enough to let go. I thank you for the people who may think we're telling jokes right now. Do not take this serious. But regardless, you still present yourself before us saying, please, please choose life. I bless each and every family represented here, all the generations and lineages of knowing how good you are and that it will continue to perpetuate on this earth. That as darkness comes, that we get to be a light, the salt and the light of the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I love you guys so much. Let it, let it, um, let it linger. Let him take you by the hand. And uh, have a wonderful day hosting him tomorrow and tonight. So good.